1: thanks to our sponsors now back to the show stories scripts and conversations with creators this is the brave maker podcast
0: record we are recording we're trying this again take two hey brave makers our second time trying to record this intro, <laughs> we're in the Brave Maker studio. This is Tony Gappestone
1: And Rebecca Mosa.
0: <laughs> and this is a special live recording. So we had like 180 people come to our live event, and we're also doing our intro with a live studio audience.
1: Yay, Robertino.
0: <laughs> clap clap louder. <laughs> louder. He's, okay, He's cool. trying to
1: have enthusiasm because it's the second time <laughs> we're putting, it, putting him through this.
0: So Robertino is kind of like um, Cher or Madonna or mm-hmm. Prince. Prince. He only has one name. He doesn't have a last name. He's known by Robertino, and he's one of our favorite leaders in the Brave Maker communities. We just had a big meeting, so he took on a bunch of volunteer um, responsibilities with our Brave Maker Film Festival. Yeah, More on that we later. We love
1: volunteers, and we love when <laughs> people take responsibility. <laughs> uh,
0: so we had an event on Friday, February 22nd, at Box, which was awesome. Box is a Silicon Valley... Um, software company and we're so grateful for they do more than software they do actually like file sharing they like they're like a big cloud-based thing mm-hmm. in redwood city with a nice building and a cool like suave space with big screens right and,
1: yeah and good food good food they give us
0: food <laughs> beer and wine yeah it was definitely so worth, to them. worth it uh yeah so thank you box thank you to alex and to crystal who are our hosts from the pride and uh latinx Employee Resource Group. Oh, another applause from our studio (laughs) I love it.
1: I I feel like I have a hype man here.
0: I love it. (laughs) Uh, So we are so grateful for everybody who came out. If you did not come out, let us give you sort of a um, precursor to what you're going to hear today. We had three different kind of art mediums.
1: Yeah, we had music, we had a film, and we had the live podcast and panel discussion, and it was so great. And
0: photography. Oh, and the
1: photography as well. Yeah. Yeah, And videography. Mm -hmm. Is that the right word? Yeah biography. Yeah, it was so great. It was a sold out event and there was just so a great great atmosphere and great discussion. Really enjoyed it. And I think we got a lot of um, a lot of good things out of it.
0: So you're going to hear from these panelists. I'll just repeat their names again, just so you know. Because when you don't see them, it might be a little bit different. We start out talking to Nicholas Jara, who is a Latino gay filmmaker from the Bay Area. And then his co-writer and producer, Ksenia Firsova, who produced and wrote it. And they talk about the journey of making Guardian, which we'll put the links in the show notes for all this stuff. Guardian will be back at the June 1st and 2nd film festival that we're putting on in Redwood City. So if you missed it, come back and see their short film. And then we had Matt Nightingale, who's one of my best friends, my BFFs uh, <laughs> in the world. And he
1: really is.
0: <laughs> Tony will
1: make it known. Like, they're, they're so cute.
0: <laughs> he spoke about his journey, and he shared some of his original music, which if you stay till the end of this podcast, you will hear his original music. And then...
1: And he's also a TED Talker. Ted, yes. TEDxer, I TED Xer. TED X
0: Talker. Okay. We should put that link in the show notes as well, so yeah. you can go ahead and watch that. he has got like 16,000 views on that. So give him 16,001 people. Yay. And then Erin Ashford, one of my favorite people in Redwood City, who is a photographer, and she did a really cool um, photo exhibit on the trans community in the San Mateo area. So oh, a huge shout-out to the San Mateo Pride Center link in the show notes, because they were one of our partners. And, oh, man, side note, they offer counseling, and they actually did a really cool thing for a woman, a friend of mine who came to the event and had a really moving experience and needed to do some follow-up for her own journey of acceptance. And so huge thank you to Andres Mm -hmm. and the team there that was able to provide services. And also we do want to make sure you know about something that's important in this podcast.
1: Yeah. One topic that came up as we talked to the LGBTQ plus community and just others who may be suffering from um, suicidal thoughts is that there is uh, suicide Prevention Lifeline. Lifeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 24-7 and it's mm-hmm.
0: 1-800-273-8255. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please put that in your phone. If you or someone you know and love has these struggles, it's often hard to come to someone face-to-face and you might want to just be anonymous and that's a great, great place to start. 800-273-8255. Okay, so uh, we want to let you know our next event is March 25th. It's a documentary called Bias, and it will be at the Century 20 Theater. Tickets are on sale at bravemaker.com slash events. Come join us. We still have tickets available. And you're going to get to to meet Andre Henry, who's this really cool connection that I've made. Uh, He's doing Mm -hmm. racial justice advocacy. He's a black man teaching people about how to eradicate racism. And so he's going to join that panel as we talk about race and gender implicit bias um yeah anything else we want to sh- want to say before this launches in
1: no enjoy well uh did you say um for ramon the audio oh, team oh yeah
0: thank you to ramon Villarreal who who mixed this and recorded this <laughs> this yeah. was our first ever besides robertino here our, our, <laughs> <laughs> our first ever this is kind of fun robertino yeah. honestly i do yeah. like this yeah <laughs> our first ever I live podcast we Are going to do it again in the June um, film festival, so give us um, some you know grace around that. We, we recorded it in a very huge room, nobody could you know have headphones on like we do for our drive through teller experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, that quality is a little bit different than our normal quality, just so you know. Oh, it's the
1: authentic experience, it's like you were there in the audience, <laughs> you're gonna
0: hear the authentic <laughs> reverb. Yeah, and then one more thing, thank you, Hotel Nia.
1: Yeah, oh my
0: gosh, Hotel <laughs> Nia and Redwood City Menlo Park is our. Our official hotel sponsor, and we did a little after party there after the event. It was and fun. It's a
1: beautiful hotel.
0: Sipped a little cocktails yeah. and had a little um, debrief. It was great. Yeah. We're excited to do some stuff there come June. Okay. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Give us a review and rate us because that's how people will find us in their feeds. Enjoy. Be brave makers.
1: Thank you. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.
0: We are now going to have a conversation about this film and about the power of story for the LGBTQ community and Latinx community. And our our whole conversation is gonna be recorded and we're gonna put it out on our podcast so that we can share this with the world. Rebecca and I are going to uh, encourage us that this space is gonna be a brave space as well as a safe space. So we're gonna invite our artists and let's give it up for Nicholas Jara and Ksenia Firsova, the writer and director (laughs) co-producer of Guardian. Come on up you guys. Thank you guys so much for being here. And we're going to share mics. Uh, Rebecca, you start us off.
1: Yeah, so thank you for making this film. And I just wanted to kind of sit for a second in the emotion of that because um, it touched on a lot of things, I think. And and, um, I'm curious, what is it that uh, inspired you to make Guardian? And why is is it personal for both of you?
2: well the reason why i decided to make this film um was because it was kind of like my coming out story to my family um i didn't really express how um i was gay to a lot of my family members and i didn't know quite how to communicate that through just words so this is how i kind of did it visually and through storytelling and also it was just um it was made to honor my mom um she passed away when i was five but um she had it intended to make videotapes for me when I was a kid to, like, send to me or, like, every year have a tape, like, when you're 16 or graduation, you know, just because she knew she wasn't going to be around. So um, this is kind of an exploration of what my memories of her are and um, what I think she would say to me if she was still alive.
3: Um, <clears throat> well, for me, um, it is also very relatable film definitely growing up as a queer woman um, there is a lot of um, pressure but specifically for this story this is definitely Nick's autobiographical <laughs> almost a memoir kind of story uh, I was brought on board first to help him rewrite it and he needed that kind of um, I guess someone to be distant from it to see it and to see the story within it and to make it into a film as opposed to, <laughs> and then like an autobiographical uh, tale. So um, for me, it's a little different.
0: And Ksenia, you have a full ride scholarship to UC Santa Cruz, right? Like on, okay, is that amazing? Doing screenwriting. Congrats
2: to Ksenia, everyone. Is that amazing or what? <laughs> So he made a good choice, bringing her on to to the film so we um we met in a screenwriting class together at san francisco state University, and yeah, yeah, all right um and when i read or we she read her script a lot, I was like okay i need a I need to contact this person i need a i need she knows what she's doing." <laughs> So what struck me about the film and
0: one of the reasons why I thought it was so powerful I have suffered through the loss of a family member to suicide. And uh, the more I understand about the LGBTQ community and wanting to become an ally and knowing so many people, especially youth in the community, that suicide is a part of the equation, unfortunately, for a lot of time. So can you talk about that, like why that was important for you to include that in the story and kind of what that's done as you've been sharing this around the festival circuit and such?
2: It was important to me to include that in the story because that's what my particular story was. That was some trauma that I experienced um, growing up, and it left me with those ideas in my mind. Like, is this is something I want to continue? And I think that's really important to discuss because um, that that's a big issue. And that kind of figure, that's like, where is that coming from? Like, why why is why is this a problem in the LGBTQ community? LGBTQ+ plus community, and I think that, that um, it shows that there is a prescribed idea of like what you need to be in society. So I think it was really important for me to just bring that up and let people know, hey, like, this is the effect of what could happen if you treat someone poorly. No matter who they are, what creed, what gender, what racial identity, I don't doesn't matter. Like if you treat someone poorly continuously. That they this is this could be a reality for a lot of people.
0: Can I ask you to do you have any thoughts? Where does this come from? Where does homophobia yeah, I mean we I have our ideas, say. we talk about this a lot. We've, We've had a lot of conversations, Matt, yeah. What
2: are your thoughts? Homophobia? Insecurity. I think a lot of it is just like a lot mm-hmm. of people are scared and um, a lot of people um, don't in my mind, it's that's a tough question. Um, in my mind, I think it's a lot of insecurity and uh, people don't understand or slash past judgment upon things they don't understand or recognize. And therefore, if it's unfamiliar, it's like, I want to stay away from that. I'm going to ostracize that. I don't want that around me. Um, and I think... I think, in my mind, that's part of the issue. It's such a layered issue, though, so it's hard to just speak on it when it's really intersectional.
0: We're scared of what we don't know, and part of the reason why we have BraveMaker is we wanted to... Uh, create a community to be guided by the heroes of storytellers yeah. like your storytelling we really believe changes things changes the world changes our understanding changes our points of view changes our awareness and makes us symp- sympathetic and empathetic and we hear a lot about representation in media why that it's so important to have these Definitely. stories out in the world so thank you for making that i know it's personal and thank
2: you for having me yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Fear is a very dangerous place to work from, so I think everybody needs to be aware of that, like you said, regardless of who they're interacting with. I wanted to ask you, Ksenia, as a producer, I know that it was important to you to include, um, to have inclusivity on set. So what did that look like for you, and what did that mean to you?
3: Yeah, I think it was important for both of us to... um, to have representation not only on but also off screen. We definitely wanted to have people above the line like the producer and the uh, cinematographer um, to have this understanding of what is, what exactly is the story that they're telling. Uh, We had um, several other queer members. We had, Raquel Ramirez, who is amazing, she was our, the head of uh, production,
0: design. production
3: design and she was a, she's a queer Latina woman and she definitely brought um, very specific sensibility to the set and that was important to us, but um, other than that we were uh, always explicit and open that this is going to be a movie about uh, LGBT issues, it's going to be a movie about um, Latina uh, characters, so we wanted people who are queer, who are women, who are um, people of color to join our crew.
0: Are there any filmmakers in the room? Raise your hand if you are a filmmaker, you want to be a filmmaker, make it cool. Uh, it's so important, yeah. It's so important that stories that we tell do have representation and inclusivity. And I love that it's not just in front of the camera, it's behind the camera.
1: Behind the cameras yeah. and in the writing room and yeah. everything for good representation. We've yes. been watching
0: a lot of films, right, that have been submitted for the film festival. And one of the requirements and the criteria is that uh, we believe a brave story is diverse and has inclusivity behind and in front of the camera. And there's there's been a couple cringing, cringy <laughs> things we've watched uh. that have been such like a really hard to watch because of the perspective and we know the the people that are writing it and behind it aren't at a place where they're thinking about that and it's really difficult so uh, to the filmmakers out there how important this is to make intentional choices to invite people of color and women and the LGBTQ community to be a part of the art that you're creating
1: intentional is
0: a good word because it's
1: not at the front of your mind you have to make an effort to do that so we really encourage you to do that
0: which is awesome too because Box is doing that that's part of the reason why we're here and a lot of the corporations that are partnering with Brave Maker have said like oh we have these diversity and inclusion and belonging groups. And if I could just do a commercial, if you belong to any of those companies, help us partner because we want to bring these things to you and we want to make these offerings available to Redwood City. That's where we are. So we'd love to keep telling these stories and bringing these artworks out, which leads me to ask, um, before we bring uh, our other panelists up, what is next for you? What are you guys working on? I'm going to give this to you and then I'm going to get some water for us. Well, today I was shooting a
2: short. Oh, wow. (laughs) I literally (laughs) just got back. Um, from shooting. Like, literally just got back. Um,
1: Do you want to tell us anything about it, or is that under Yeah, it?
2: sure. Like, yeah. Um, so basically, it's a portrait piece about my grandma. Um, she's 84 years old, lives by herself. She's from um, uh, Mexico, and mm. she has just a... She's just an interesting person. She's just a character. She's so funny. Um, and, yeah, I just wanted to, like, honor her as well because um, she was part of my... Um, my experience of growing up um, in a Latino household. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I wanted to just honor her and just create a little story. And um, hopefully I can, after that, develop that into a longer format film because I think she has an incredible story that needs to be told.
1: Yeah, family must be really important to you because this is kind of your, your theme, bringing them out. And I don't come from a Latin American household, but my husband does, so I know how important abuelas are. <laughs>
3: Uh, for me um well i 'm a screenwriter, so um i've been working on this feature script for a while and has has been actually nominated for an award uh, but right now i 'm polishing it and yeah it 's exciting thanks <laughs> uh, but right now i 'm polishing it and making it ready to submit to more festivals and i'm also working on a on a different feature script both queer sci-fi by the way oh yeah and uh, like queer sci-fi. yeah that's like <laughs> that's really cool <laughs>
2: excellent i read it
3: <laughs> i can't wait um and like like you mentioned i got a full ride so i'm going to Pursuing my PhD, um, starting September. Just a couple
1: things, hey?
0: (laughs) Brave Makers, this is really excited part of our vision. Guys, this is only our third public event, uh, but we have these big dreams that eventually, once we get our donor levels high, that we want to be funding filmmakers, brave storytellers. Our goal, we're actually working with our first all-women animation team, and hopefully at our next event in March, you're going to meet them, uh, because they're going to be our first fiscal sponsee. A group of four women who are telling a story, animated story, about one Saudi Arabian woman's liberation from the oppression in her life. So we're really excited about that. So we want... If this perked your mind in some way, you can contact them. You see there's uh, Nicholas's uh, Instagram. Just tweet them, message them, tell them how much you like them, uh, or if you're interested in partnering with them, this is how films get made, is we get partners like you who believe in the stories. So um, if you have questions for them, we're going to take them in just a little bit, but I'm going to invite Matt Nightingale back up. So let's get Matt Nightingale back up to join the conversation. So if you didn't hear, he's been one of my best friends for 18 years, half of my life, which I love, and I... We've had interesting. He's taught me so much about the LGBTQ community. And I was at a different place when he had first come out. I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is happening? Uh, you're gay? What?" Uh, and I was not at a place of being sensitive or empathetic. And I was like trying to help him be healed, and uh, so you know, just a different place in time. You well, know,
4: but to be fair, I was also trying to be yeah, healed. Totally. We were like we totally. were on the same page. Back for sure. Then. For sure. I, you know, I tell people that. You were really supportive, and you've come a long way. Like we've done this together <laughs> yeah, over twenty years, right? Yeah. At the beginning, we were so very convinced it was wrong to be gay, and so he was like walking with me as I was trying to be healed, yeah. and I really appreciated that. He was an amazing, empathetic, loving friend. So just give yourself a little break, because yeah. I was also doing that.
0: Well, I, when I when I talk about that question, I think about like you have a lot to say about where do you think the homophobia comes from and uh, I'd love you to riff on that a little bit as you kind of for those who don't know give them your Twitter bio a little bit about your story, you shared a little bit in music but whatever you want to say about that and I'd love to hear your thoughts
4: on that um, so, I grew up in northern Indiana in a really t- uh, fundamentalist Christian world. Um, I knew I was gay when I was 10 years old, but I knew that in 1981, in northern Indiana, in a fundamentalist Christian home and church, you just don't even talk about that, let alone come out. So, I just, when I realized it at 10, I squashed it down and I decided that no one could ever know. And I would just hide it. So the Twitter version, I guess. The short version, I I went to Christian college. I I found a really wonderful woman, um, a best friend, who I married and had children with and went into ministry with. And we did that for 23 years. Um, Eight years into our marriage, I came out to her, um, but not to come out to be healed. And so I dove, and it was here. I was in Redwood City, actually, um, serving at a church with Tony. Uh, at the time, and uh, I dove into, like, ex-gay ministries, I I found, it was the early 2000s, and a lot of people were saying, this can work, like, you can change your orientation with God's help, and lots of prayer, and counseling, and all that, so I tried that for a long, long time, Um, yeah, it didn't work, Um, and, and it's not like I just one day decided, this was an excruciating journey that took a decade or more. Um, and finally, finally, in 2016, not so long ago, um, I came out very publicly um, with my wife by my side and my children being remarkably supportive. I can't even tell you how amazing that has been. Yes, my children. <laughs> like from day one. Um, So, and I do a lot of work now, um, I do actually work for a gay affirming church in Novato part-time, which is awesome, called The Quest, um, where I can be fully gay and also love Jesus and, like, lead people in worship, it's, it's a remarkable thing, yeah, um, because there are gay Christians, we actually exist, um, And so I spend a lot of my time kind of trying to be in the middle of these two worlds, gay world, which I'm still learning. I'm only two years in, right? And also Christian world, which I am steeped in for 47 years. So I I try to kind of bridge that gap and and help gay people understand Christians and help Christians understand gay people and, and just live my life really openly, even as I'm kind of stumbling and trying to figure it out as I go. So, but I really, I care deeply about that intersection of spirituality and sexuality.
1: Uh, Matt, I just met you tonight, but honestly, I think I mentioned quickly, I felt like I knew you already because Tony is always hyping you up so much. And I don't know if cute is like the appropriate word for like a uh, friendship for... We're for, cute. We have a cute friendship. Yeah. But even, even in my notes, I, we were going through the stuff and Tony's like, my BFF. <laughs> so.
0: I, I thought someday I should write a, a TV show called like my gay BFF. <laughs> which has probably already been done but we have a different story like you know it would be really kind of funny I think anybody? no? okay
1: (laughs) no takers on that (laughs) I get some people
0: going no don't don't do that Uh,
1: so I have watched your TED talk I have listened to your podcast um, that you did with Tony on Holy Cannoli so shout out to that the other podcast as well And I want to thank you for sharing and being so authentic when I listened to it. And I'm wondering what is next for you? What does the future look like for your mission, for your advocacy work, and your involvement with the church also?
4: Good question. But I do feel like every day I feel more and more called to this work of just being open with my life, helping people um, see that, that... And and this is not new. Like, I have to be really clear. There have been pioneers that have gone long ahead of me, way ahead of me, being gay spiritual people, right? This is not new. Um, But there's still a lot of work to be done. And so um, everywhere I go in gay circles, there are people who are surprised that I'm a practicing Christian and who want to talk about that and who say, oh, I didn't really think that is something you could do, uh, and, and who cry and tell me that they missed their church and they miss God. And, and I say, you can actually still have all of that. And so that's really important to me. Um, and then of course, in my kind of evangelical world, there's all these people who say that I can't, you know, gay Christians aren't really a thing. Um, that we are, um, just giving into temptation and we need to be strong and resist and be celibate and all that. Um, there's a, that's a whole world out there of that. I was all over Twitter today fighting people, but, um, I do that a lot. Who follows
0: Matt on Twitter? <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay, Follow cool. me. It's fun. <laughs> your daughter. Join the too. fight.
4: Join the good fight. Um, but for next, honestly, this sounds grandiose, and I cringe every time I say it, but I'm going to say it publicly, so maybe I'll like put a stake in the ground. I, I really think I'm supposed to write a book. So kind of like memoir, but also kind of talking about this whole thing of, of spirituality and sexuality. And so I think that's next for me. Uh, and I want to continue to write songs and I want to continue to speak out wherever I can. Um, I had to turn down a panel for a film screening. I was super sad about that. But I just want to do as much as I can. Um, so if you know, unlike I try to keep my life open to like personal conversations too. Ever since the TED Talk, um, I have so many random dudes from out of the blue like finding me on Facebook and saying I'm married to a woman I didn't think this was I didn't know there were other people like me and I'm like oh there are so many people hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people like you so I really I, I love to have those personal conversations too yeah
1: that's the power of having these conversations having these safe places where we can just speak about it and for people being authentic and telling your story it,
0: it reaches so many people so thank you for that So, you know, you heard Matt say he wrote a song for me for my film Neighbor... Uh, and Loretta Divine sang it. And so I, I, our friendship, I love partnering with Matt. And the funny thing was this whole event uh, happened because he texted me two months ago like, hey, can you pick me up from the airport on Wednesday the 20th? And I said, uh, sure. What's like, I'm on vacation. I'm flying in. Maybe we could hang out. I was like, dude, if we're going to hang out, we're going to do something. We're going to make an event happen. And so here we are <laughs> for all of you guys here. I was like, I know this uh, this uh, filmmaking duo. Uh, they, so they submitted their thing for the Film Fest. Let's bring it. And let's do it early. And so I just love that. And so I have to shout out, so I've asked Matt, this is the feature film I'm working on. I I referred to my grandmother who took her life uh, in 2012, and it was devastating for our family. I was her do not resuscitate phone call. So I got a phone call on a Sunday morning from a doctor in San Diego saying, your grandmother is, is this your grandmother? Is this her name? Yes. Well, she's on life support from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, and there's nothing we can do. Do we have your permission to take her off life support? And within, like, 30 seconds, I was saying, I didn't even, it was just crazy. But it circled my family into a chaos of grief, and that's why I'm so passionate about talking about suicide. I did a suicide memorial for a gay 13-year-old, brutal. We don't know how to talk about these things, and we want, we need to be, okay? So I wrote this film about my family's experience, but I wrote in Matt's story. So I have a, I have a mom and an aunt. My mom has a sister. So I wrote a, a, about a family with two sisters and a brother, and the brother just happens to be uh, in the closet wrestling with his sexuality. And so or it's called The Thorns We Live With, and it's the project that I'm vowing to get into production this year, and I asked Matt to write an original song for it. He's going to sing it right now. Just no, kidding.
5: Not. <laughs> I've not started it He hasn't it yet. started
0: it. What the heck? <laughs> he hasn't started it yet. So anyways, creative collaboration. Poke him on Facebook to get him to do that and be looking for the thorns we live with, uh, hopefully coming out 2020. All right. So let me invite my friend, Aaron Ashford, a local photographer. Where is she? Give it up for Aaron Ashford. So Erin and I have been friends for I think four years now. Is that right? You've been here four years in Redwood City? Uh, I told her wife, Lindsay, tonight that I feel like Erin is the sister to me because from the first night that I met her with this creative group that met here, she was just so excited and we've partnered on so many projects together. She's a photographer and an artist and we're always trying to find ways. That's what artists do. It's like we're survivors. Like, can we hang out? Can we do something? This is hard, it's shrapnel, we're like wounded. But like, let's make something. It brings us life. And so I invited Erin to talk about the photography that you're doing for the LGBTQ plus community.
6: Yes. Thank you so much. I'm very honored and just humbled uh, by it. Um, so a little bit about me that will be helpful once we see some of these images coming up. Um, I studied uh, photography at Academy Art University in San Francisco. Um, and I focused on documentary, long-term documentary projects. And one thing that's really important and something that I've always uh, practiced in my work is folks having agency over their imagery, um, how they're represented, um, and just collaboration all throughout. I feel like photography can be really limiting um, because it's one person taking the photo. it's 35 millimeter, there's a frame there and you're cropping out things. And some of the important things are not in the photo. Um, So I'm just always uh, kind of tackling that for myself and making sure that I'm collaborating all throughout the project and people are resonating with the images. And yeah, there's just a lot to learn there. There's a space there that is different with every single person you interact with
0: so. So we're going to see some images. And again, I also say to Aaron as being one of the people that has helped me to become an ally. And I so appreciate the conversations that we've had. And you specifically have loved the trans community with your imagery. So tell us about that.
6: Actually, can I tell a quick story? Because um, I did a long-term multi-year documentary, photo documentary in Atlanta, Georgia, on the queer community. And it was the first project. I hadn't shown a soul in California, this work. And I was really nervous about it. And I showed it at Creative Crew Mm. and um, didn't know anybody. And there was a lot of skin shown in the work, and I didn't really know my audience, so I felt very exposed. Um, but was really a safe space. It was a safe space. It was a, yeah. okay. it was a um, there was you. Everyone was very loving and kind, um, and it actually helped me push through in this way that I feel like is really important with sensitive work that's really close to the heart. Um, is that showing it is actually the first kind of step in tackling these larger uh, perspectives in the work. So thank you for that. Yeah,
0: and I want to ask like, so sensitively, um, You know, I don't know where everyone is in this room. And like I said, I want this to be a safe and brave space. Um, when we talk about the LGBTQ plus community, sometimes I make an assumption that we all know what those letters mean. Um, would you take a second and just talk about that and then talk about how that... Um, the work that you've been doing with the trans community will be reflected here.
6: Yes. Um, So just to clarify, this is all coming from my experience and not others' experiences. Um, Lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and questioning. um, And then the plus is kind of like uh, intersex. um, I think there's a full spectrum here that leaves it open um, and I think that that's the important part. You have to know that gender is fluid. It's, it's so loosely defined um, for a reason. It's because you know, these bodies that we're in are limiting. And we need, we need space to grow. And limiting ourselves makes it hard on folks. You know. And there's fear there.
0: I I want to talk about that in a little bit but that's not always comfortable like even hearing that some people will kind of put hands up and go I don't I don't believe that that's not true for me so how do I deal with that but I want to get there because I think your photography work helps tell stories and helps us learn and hear from the voices of those that are walking in this
6: space Mm -hmm. so the work that is shown up here um, I worked with the San Mateo Pride Center Uh, It started. one of our
0: partners over here
6: Andres Loyola, who will be calling up soon. Um, what's super special about the San Mateo Pride Center is um, there's resources there. You know, they, they take care of the community. Um, so I had wanted to partner with San Mateo Pride Center for a long time. Um, but because of the sensitivity of the community and the work that they do, uh, it requires a level of listening that um, is not something that happens overnight. So. Um, one of the representatives at the San Mateo Pride Center uh, we called me last year, and we talked about uh, Transgender Day of Visibility, um, which usually happens in March, and um, wanted to do a photo series, uh, portraiture. And so um, we started talking about it in March of last year, and it didn't actually manifest until like months afterward. Um, And so we uh, kind of sent a call out to folks in the community that we were doing a portrait series that um, kind of tackled uh, visibility, which it's really hard, uh, depending on how you feel as a person, to be out in public as yourself, whatever that means. And so we wanted to make sure that we created a safe space outside for all of us to get together. And through this kind of collaborative portraiture, we were able to. of take the next step, I guess, in comfortability out, outdoors. And so these are where the portraits came from. Um, we have uh, Fenn over here. This is a quote from Fenn, the first portrait that you saw. The in bloom photo shoot truly captures the essence of me, a little anxiety and rebellious, but also sweet and kind, but never, ever subdued. My personal experiences tell me to speak from the heart, and that's what I tried to embody during the sh- during the shoot. I am a female to male man, and as such, I try to express with the traditional rules rules of masculinity to confuse people less. But in this context, I can express the lesser known parts of masculinity, not just the anger and apathy, but the willingness to be gentle and help people out. I just want to say one thing about that, and I don't know if anyone else is picking up on it, but the humbleness, the the understanding that people may not understand me, So I'm going to go out of my way to confuse people less. That's such a humbling space to be. And also knowing maybe that gender is confusing, might be confusing.
0: Remind me, I want to talk about misgendering people, something that I'm learning that I've done so many times, my apologies. But the the idea of learning to ask somebody, what pronouns do you go by? I really appreciate that that's become something I'm learning that I don't use enough, but I appreciate so we'll want to talk about that.
7: This
6: was the first time anyone asked me to express myself, my real, inner, softer self in a visual way. I tend to be expressive in language, but because of the conflict of my body with what people think as feminine, I've relied on superficial things to express that for me. This portrait brought out something I hadn't noticed in other pics of me, a gentle, loving woman. The pictures show how I feel as a trans person. I wanna show that boys don't have to be hard. We can be soft and masculinity can look different. So these are just a few of the quotes um, from the shoot. Um, And we had a ton of meetings, um, both before the shoot, during the shoot, and after the shoot. And um, I hope that that's a reflective way for people to understand that it just takes a lot of processing time to understand where the, another person is coming from I'm sure you felt like that too with making the film and just how much work it really takes to understand what you're commun- trying to communicate visually um, so I'm going to bring up Andres Loyola to talk about the San Mateo Pride Center. <clears throat>
8: Hola. Buenas, buenas noches. Hello. Good evening, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. I never really know how to, like, say, you know, introduce myself. When I, so I'll start off with a joke. Um, uh, what does a gay cow eat? Hey. 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 Right. Okay. So hey. Okay. There you go. You got it. Got y'all warmed up. Oh, it's kind of hot. Okay. 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 <laughs> No, yeah, so my name is Andres. My gender pronouns are they, them, theirs, or she, her, ella. Uh, I work for the San Mateo County Pride Center. I am the peer support worker as well as the training and uh, education coordinator. So I'm going to just talk a little bit about the services of the center, a little bit about why we partnered and why we are so grateful for this kind of opportunity and visibility uh, so the center runs on kind of three main of components. The first one is community. We we want to build community. We understand, especially with mental health, this video deals a lot with mental health, right? And and I really appreciate that. Um, and it talks about how you know what we we as social creatures do a lot better when we find community amongst each other. And unfortunately, San Mateo County is a little bit more conservative. It's uh, we are the only uh, LGBTQ center um, in San Mateo. We've only been. Uh, Open for about a year and a half, and we're making great strides. Right, we're bringing more visibility. So we we build community through uh, a lot of intergenerational dinners, uh, movie nights, uh, craft afternoons. We make crafts and uh, we. Did you say
0: craft afternoons?
8: Yes, you build crafts <laughs> yeah. in the afternoon. Uh, we also do. That. We hosted the very first youth queer prom here in the county, uh, and we're going to do a very first adult queer prom because a lot of the older adults in our population they're still in the closet, right? And being able to go to a prom with your significant other. You know, I took, uh, I don't know, my sister's cousin to prom because I wanted to be cute. (laughs) But anyways, uh, so we build community. The second one is that we're resources. So we have a library, an LGBTQ library, as well as uh, a resource room with a bunch of computers. So uh, people who need help with food stamps, getting uh, shelter, food, uh, laundry for houseless people, uh, all these kind of resources that we have. We also do training, so we do so G Trainings 101, which is sexual orientation and gender identity. We are contracted through BHRS, which is Behavioral Health and Recovery Service for San Mateo County, and it kind of serves all of, all of our county. So right now with the state law, we have gender X now, right, on your, on your driver's license. So it's no longer male, female, it's also X as well for people who are intersex or transgender individuals. And in that way, we're able to kind of provide that resources, you know, like how, how do I talk to someone who uses they, them pronouns? What is Gender pronouns. You know, a lot of us we we weren't taught this in school, and that's perfectly understandable. So it's understanding how we kind of educate ourselves, show that cultural humility, so we can be as inclusive as we can to people in our county. Uh, And the third one is that we are we're a clinic. We have therapists. We have LGBTQ therapists. It's really hard to find therapists that understand you, that can work with gender nonconforming people, trans people, people who understand your similarities, right? And, and I understand what we do is, we, we battle against a lot of stigma. It's It's difficult having these conversations about gender, sexuality, about race, about privilege, about all these kinds of things because you know LGBTQ isn't just about LGBTQ folks it's about everyone we're all affected by gender we all face kind of forms of gender discrimination based of what we look like where do we go how our hair is what's the, my, the sound of your voice all these kinds of things right and so we really try to cater to that and make sure we understand so having competent therapists who understand that is the way to go and I, and I understand the stigma is like oh I don't want anyone to know I, I see a therapist I, I'm crazy right that's, that's what a lot of people think at least in the Latinx community my mom was like oh you know go, go, go drink some limon and that, that'll cure you and I'm like go oh, ahead do lemon okay <laughs> anyway so she rubs the egg on me has anyone No. okay <laughs> That's what we do.
0: Crystal had that. Crystal, yeah. I saw Crystal.
8: <laughs> the, the famous, uh, Crystal knows. And so one of the things is that we, we, really, we really talk about is how do we care for ourselves? And, you know, like if I, if I go running and I, and I fall down and I, I scrape my leg and it's what do we do? Go to the doctor, get stitches, all that stuff. Well, what happens if you break your mind? What happens if something traumatic happens? What happens if, you know, who do you talk to, Right. And it's really difficult. Most mental health issues start at the age of 15 or 14, about 50%. And so we say, you know what, just do a checkup, right? You have a physical at least once a year. We'll just check in at least one time. You, you, you never know what you can happen. And there's been such, uh, I'm speaking in Spanish, wonderful stories that kind of come out of the center, really, really advocate for people's mental health and the kind of uh, the community that we want to build with each other. So I think I've talked for a good amount of time and I can talk forever but please visit our booth we have information ways you can get involved think about making a donation uh we could really use it and really build a community together so uh, we host a, a year san mateo pride i know it's not as big as san francisco but it's the baby family pride that we want to build. So you guys go down uh, like
0: Main Street. Yeah, no, Central Park, June okay.
8: uh, June fifteenth It's Saturday, Central Park from uh, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's booths, there's presentations, uh, there's uh, food. So uh, keep an eye out for us. Again, my name is Andres. Thank you so Give much. Give it up for
0: Andres. Thank you, Andres. Thank you. All right, so we'd like to do some Q&R, some question or response time that will go on the podcast. If you raise your hand, you'll say a question and I will repeat it. Remember, please, uh, this is a safe, brave space. I've always I've done a lot of Q&As and um, sometimes people can phrase a question that could make... It- feel defensive. We're not putting anyone on the spot. And so you might even phrase it like, hey, I'm just curious about, or I was wondering, or could you tell me more or help me understand? Uh, Remember tone of voice is really important there and body language. And so uh, any question, and you can say who it's for and we'll go ahead. Matt, can you talk about what church
4: clarity is? Sure. So there's a... There are a lot of churches out there who really want to at least come across as gay friendly because they want us to feel welcome and, um and to their credit, a lot of them really, really do love people, and they want to see as many people come in as possible, so that they can introduce people to God and the love of God. But a lot of these churches are not gay affirming, actually, and they would not allow, for instance, me to to have a, a husband in their church. I wouldn't be allowed to preach or teach. I wouldn't be allowed to um, be a member there, possibly. So, and a lot of times, unfortunately, these kind of cool hipster churches don't want you to know that right up front because they want you to come and be a part of it and feel welcome. I have some friends in San Francisco who, a couple, who went to a church for a long time, and it was this really cool place. It was a year that they went there, and finally they applied for membership, and then they kind of had to have this secret closed-door meeting with the pastor where he kind of said, hey, listen, we love you guys, but you know, theologically, we're not really there. We can't affirm your relationship, so you would need to change that if you want to be a part of our church. So an organization called Church Claire. You can look them up, churchclarity.org, I believe. They are in the process of rating as as best they can, every single church in America. Like, are you actually gay affirming? Not just do you look like gays are welcome there, but are you actually affirming of gay relationships? Would you marry someone in your church? Would you hire an openly gay person on your staff? So check out Church Clarity. They they are help, they're not asking people to change, they're asking people to be honest. What does your church actually believe? Put it on your website. Let your yes be yes and your no be no.
0: Matt and I just had a conversation. Let's maybe use these two mics, maybe, if we can. Um, we were having a conversation on my other podcast, not the Brave Maker one, but it's called Holy Cannoli, and uh, there was a big conversation between Chris Pratt, kind of, and Ellen Page. And it was really neat to see these two artists, you know, talking about this issue on Twitter and raising these concerns, because there's famous people who represent certain churches, and then those churches might exclude the gay community. And so the Church Clarity website is trying to promote churches to be honest and forthcoming with that so yeah question go ahead just to rephrase the question it was what can we do as a community to prevent people from having suicidal thoughts and getting to that place of doing that what would you say
2: i think one of the first steps is that if you see someone being um affected by um this prescribed idea of gender or sexuality and um, stand up for that person. If you see that, like, call it out. Like, the first part of what like, is taking action. If, like, you see how this person is being called, like, a faggot. Let's say it. I'm gonna say it because it's important to talk about. That word is very hurtful when it's um, talking about with that tone of, like, um, just hurt being being uh, like trying to hurt someone. I think well, that first step is just um, calling it out and um, secondly I think when you're dealing with those um, with someone who's in that thought process of depression of dealing with suicide ten, um, tendencies I think um, the first thing is um, being that loving and supporting person that they desperately need because I'm sure they're looking for that and I think um, I think they want it they may not be scared to maybe maybe not know how to ask for it because um in my personal um experience i didn't know how to um and dealing with uh friends and dealing with family members who are also feeling um depressed or having those ideas it's it's important to release that and um one of my ways was just to talk about it because i when it's when it's in your mind it's it becomes overbearing and and um it's painful but the only way to um heal is to to release and grow from that.
3: Great response, but I just wanted to add to that in a more general sense. I think it's very important for um, allies and just everyone to not assume that um, people are straight or they're cis. Uh, it's very important to change your mindset about that because it's not ob- always obvious that someone's queer or someone's trans and they may be struggling with their identity. And if you don't make them feel comfortable to come out to you, they never will.
0: Can I highlight uh, my friend, Terry Smith? Raise your hand, Terry Smith. Uh, She's what you call a mama bear. Right? She's the, the mother uh, of a gay son, and she's also banded together with other mothers and fathers who have said, Hey, if your parents reject you, maybe this could answer your question. Uh, I won't. I'll come to your wedding if your mom or dad or whoever won't come. Uh, I'll stand by your side when you are going through a hard challenge. We need more people to be allies, as Cassenu was saying, and I think it looks like being new mothers and fathers because there are a lot of LGBTQ people on the street, youth, uh, people taking. In their lives every day because they don't feel accepted, and so I'm I'm no um a professional on this here, but I've realized like humanity, being human to someone and saying I see you, that's the whole thing. Aaron, I see you. I'm here for you. I don't I might not understand, and I would love to know maybe panel, what would you say to someone who's feeling like I I, I my belief system in general doesn't allow me to accept that person or even hug that person or welcome them into my my table, or my church, or my circle. What what would you say to someone who's feeling like guarded to the LGBTQ plus community, or to a, a
4: child, or a friend, or whoever? What would you say? It's it's really lots of layers because I do you know coming from evangelical Christian world, uh, I know a lot of people who have very um, very strong um, beliefs about what is right and what is wrong. And one of the places that I feel called to, one of the spaces, is not, not defending um, harmful behavior or, or toxic or, or harmful beliefs, but understanding people who hold them, if that makes sense. Um, I have so many people in my life that I love deeply who just cannot affirm gay relationships. They can't do it. Um, they cannot affirm the choices that I've made in my life in the last couple of years. Um, and it's out of a deep respect for God and a deep desire to do what they believe is right based on their understanding of reality. And I don't want people to go against their conscience, I don't. Um, so there's there's it's just hard, I'm saying. Because good, good people um, can hold beliefs that are not true and that are harmful. Um, and I do think even, this is just my world, that's what I'm talking about evangelical Christianity, but in that particular world, I think we're seeing a big, massive change right now, which is great, because some people who cannot yet affirm it, who can't say, God's cool with it, at least are saying, God loves you. Like, I think it's, it's more and more rare to find people who would say, God hates you. Um, I don't see that as much these days, thank God, um, at least people are saying God loves you. You are you are a valuable and precious person, and so um, so I think that that's changing a little bit um, in our culture. And I'm really really grateful for that. I think it's one of the places where the culture, the world, is leading the church, which you know people get their mind blown about that. Like what, the world is ahead of the church in morals and ethics. Yep sometimes and so um, and that goes
0: back to like the power of media too when we yeah. see these types of stories we say mm-hmm. like some people don't believe that this is existing this type of abuse like, like what, what parent would reject their, their, ch- their child well this is the reality for some that's why we need these stories we need this representation so that more people could understand well what, what can I do what should I do help me understand I think that's why Brave Maker is here we're here to learn and grow and you know take some of these guys out to, to coffee and, and ask questions and learn we, and we actually lost a partner a Brave Maker partner uh, by doing this event tonight because um, uh, we were tr- trying to use their building for uh, our work and they just couldn't partner with us because of the LGBTQ stories we wanted to tell. And it was so discouraging uh, for me uh, because it was a local faith community. And I was like so excited because they're local here. We were asked to use their space and they denied us for our June festival. So like, ah, it's real. And I'm not even in in the inner circle of that, but I feel that trauma and that pain and that hurt. Other questions? Uh Uh-huh. So Shannon said, thank you to all the artists sharing their work. And to Nicholas, what was your family's response
2: when you showed them the film? I haven't quite showed it to everyone yet. <laughs> it's, it's a work in progress. Um, it was, I mean, almost all of them cried, first of all. Um, so I think, I think they didn't understand what was happening before. And I think part of that is the issue of like being in the closet is that you're hiding you're hiding and you're repressing pain. So for me to make this film, it kind of just opened up like this whole world they just did not, like, were even cognizant, they weren't cognizant of. And um, and I think they just, they, they were like, well, this sucks, but we love you, and so we're here for you. So I still need to show it to some people, some family members. Um, but... I've been very fortunate and blessed to say that most of them have responded quite well, (laughs) to say the least.
0: Mark your calendar for June 1st and 2nd, because we're showing it again uh, and having another discussion in June. Um, One more question, or two more, Robin.
6: Yeah.
0: How do people show that you're safe? How do you show you're an ally?
6: I was, um, well, one, connecting with the San Mateo Pride Center in going to their events and the more people you connect with, the better you will get at being able to, to engage just for yourself. Just getting comfortable with um, just people. Just, you know, and, and also not making it a wedge. You know, um, you're a human and we connect in in a loving way and always come from a place of kindness. And, and humble, being humble about it. You may not know. And... Um, and also, this curiousness that pops up is, um, can kind of come off as uh, an eliteness. Like, I need to know. Like, I'm curious. I want to know. And I think that that's one thing that people may do wrong sometimes. Um, if you don't know something about someone, you may be, it's not your business. You don't need to know. Let, let that relationship kind of unfold on its own. Um, and I would just start getting comfortable with being in queer and, and gay spaces um, and, and just engage. I think that that's the best way of understanding um, anyone, really. I know that's a simple answer, but.
4: I have a real specific um, kind of challenge to specifically to Christians who are in churches where not everyone is affirming and you are. Because that's happening a lot these days, where you are kind of like privately affirming you might show up at an event like this, but like you're not quite ready to be out there in your support of of LGBTQ people. I just want to encourage you to get out and, and say it. And I would say like social media is a great place. It's not always the best place to like actually have great discussions, but it is a place to kind of put yourself out and say, so if you're if you're truly an ally, say it say it, put it out there and say it because then someone in your church might know that you're safe to talk to. Then someone in your world might know, "Mm, you know what, that person posted this queer affirming thing on their Facebook wall. I I might be able to talk to them. It's a way to signal that you are a truly safe person. Be out there. If we have to come out, you maybe can come out too.
3: I would like to add to that, that um, in order to make you know world safe for queer people it's not only about you communicating with other queer people but it's about you communicating with you know your fellow straight people and calling them out on homophobia and calling them out on misgendering people and so forth so most of the work should be really focused on working within your own straight community
0: yeah you can clap for that yeah (laughs) So I want to bring a special person up. You know, one of the things I'm really um, trying to navigate as as a parent is how you talk about sexuality with kids and youth. And again, um, when I did a memorial for a 13-year-old girl who took her life, and as it turned out afterwards, you know, she had come out a year before, and people went through social media and said, we don't know for sure why she took her life, but look at some of these comments and things. And... Oh, it just broke my heart. Uh, BraveMaker cares about LGBTQ people, but and youth and teens, and creating safe spaces for them to share their stories. So I'm going to invite up Abigail, uh, who's a student at high school, and uh, she is an out teen, and she works with her fellow teens. Come up here. And. I just asked her to, to share quickly about her and her story and the work that she's doing.
7: Hi everyone, um, I work with a program called SOS, which stands for Students Offering Support. Um, our main goal is to make Carlmont as safe as possible to everyone in the LGBTQ community and anyone dealing with any mental health issues. Um, One of the main things we do is have a room where anyone who's going through something can come and speak to either our therapist or a peer who has gone through something similar. This is very helpful because people can just talk to someone that they know. We also do presentations to the freshmen every year. We teach them about a variety of subjects, including the LGBT community and sexuality, so that we can start bringing those tough conversations into the classroom, which I think is really important. Um, when I came out, especially being so young, it was very hard. Um, both those things very um, were tremendously helpful, having peers that were just a little bit educated on what I was talking about. And they knew just a little bit how to respond and how to be kind. That was amazing. And having a place where I could go if I was having an anxiety attack at school or if, you know, the things were just getting to me, I could go and I could sit and I could, you know, take a break and be somewhere and not be afraid of being judged for being who I am. And I think that's really important. (laughs) Thank you.
0: So I just want to acknowledge, I, I was at a different place, again, Years ago, I feel like I'm still growing and still trying to learn how to ask the right questions and how not when to ask questions and how led to the stories come to me and how to find ways to make the space work and to give us also the space to be in tension with this? Because I know we're all, not everyone agrees in this room how we see these things, but I think we all can agree that we're human beings that deserve to be seen and loved and listened to, and that we want people to be alive and thriving and in relationship, and not feeling like they have to run away, be excommunicated, or be in a, like Manny, be in a car ready to take his life at 18 years old. Like That's not okay. It's not okay. We have to do something about that, and uh, you know, it's not just about making movies that's going to do it. It's like we have to be human beings in each other's lives, and so I hope in some way, if you're um, interested in taking steps, please go talk to the um, San Mateo Pride Center, talk to any of our panelists about how to take some next steps. We are going to do this again in June, June first and second. We're going to show their film, but we're going to show it with a feature film after it, and the feature film is about a story about. Um, Similar to Matt's story about a guy whose wife leaves him for another woman, and he's a psychology professor, and how he has to learn to understand and rationalize and uh, accept or not. the. LGBTQ plus community. It's a really great discussion. It's called At the End of the Day. You can look it up. Uh, I'll put a link in the email that I send out to all of you when we send our video because we want you to invite people to come. We, we actually sold out 140 tickets to this event and it still looks like some people didn't come so we had more space. So the goal is to do more of these and we hope that you will continue to believe in the work of Brave Maker so that we can empower these brave artists to tell these brave stories. Can you give it up for our panelists? Thank you guys so much. So this podcast will also be up in a week or two, and you can share it if you learn something. Uh, As Matt and the band come back up to play just a few final songs, I'm gonna ask you to grab this card. Uh, The work that we do for Brave Maker, we launched officially in June, and we went public with our screenings, our monthly screenings in December. How many of you were at our December screening? Oh, cool, only like a quarter of you. How many of you were at our January screening? So how many were at both of those screenings? Cool. So some of you have been here, all three. Thank you. The Holy Trinity. I love it. Uh, We want to continue this work. And if you look at this postcard, uh, our 501c3 depends upon the donations and the generosity of one corporate sponsor. So if you work at a Silicon Valley corporation that has the ability to fund and give and be charitable, could you please connect them? Um, We actually have at our back table where you can get your merchandise like coffee, mugs and t-shirts. You can make donations tonight and we're going to be creating a VIP experience. experience um, in the next few months where those who give at certain levels will be able to have more um, personal chats with our different artists. Uh, Come June, I can't announce it yet, but we do have um, a really cool actor who's a part of a Netflix series who I'm pretty sure is going to be with us. And that type of stuff is what we want to do. We want to create these really unique experiences, but we can't do it without you. June will be our make or break. So uh, our hope is we go through June and we have enough of the support of the Redwood City community to continue beyond so that we can continue doing this work and making Brave Films and supporting these artists. So please... If you could take a look at this, individuals and corporations, we can't do it without you. So thank you guys so much for being here. Yes, yes. Uh, We're going to give it over to the Nightingale Band for just a few more songs, and then we'll be done with our night.
5: Oh, this is
1: BraveMaker is a 501c3 non-profit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at BraveMaker.com. Thanks for listening to the BraveMaker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend.
6: Want to be social? Find us on Twitter and Instagram at BraveMaker, Inc.